What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Saturday, a lot of you were drafting this weekend, so I figured the best thing we can do is go over all the news we've had recently, just see how it impacts things in drafts, impacts ranking. So, Devon Achain suffered a shoulder injury. He's week to week, kind of tough because they don't have to give like exact reports right now. They can just say day to day, week to week. They don't have to apply any sort of like tag like they would during the season. So difficult to know. Does that mean one week or like three or four weeks? Um, the main takeaway for me is he was already behind Mostert, behind Jeff Wilson. Some have argued behind Selvin Ahmed. Like some have argued he's been fifth on the depth chart right now. I think that's a little bit absurd given what they gave up to get him. Realistically, I think he's at worst third, but he definitely wasn't going to have a significant snap share in week one. Now he suffers an injury. He's going to probably miss the rest of camp. He might miss into the season. And so he goes from a player that's like kind of intriguing to pick, you know, in like the low 100s, basically, when you've already got your starting lineup, your flex all figured out, starting to do your bench, being like, okay, you know, a high upside running back could do nothing this season, but on a good offense, if he gets the opportunity, could be good. Um, at this point, given the injury, given that he hadn't yet passed Mostert or Jeff Wilson, I don't think I want to really be taking shots on A-Chain. Still going to be ranking him in a way that it's like you could end up getting him, but I'm behind ADP at this point, and he's not someone that I really want to be going out of my way to target. And it kind of ties into our next bit of news a little bit as well. Uh, the Colts have now allowed Jonathan Taylor to request a trade. And so I think one report, these are unconfirmed reports, but one report said that there were up to like six teams that were interested, multiple teams that already submitted offers. We know that Miami has submitted an offer, although as has been the case basically all offseason, Miami's been submitting offers to everyone, but for not that much because they know well, the running back to their team is important, but they have decent ones, so they're not going to spend a ton to get a marginal upgrade. So it seems like it, you know they didn't offer like the first-round pick that the Colts were looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, Colts looking for a first-round pick. I think the way it ties in is like Miami was in on the Dalvin Cook sweepstakes. Um, they were in on Josh Jacobs recently. They're in on Jonathan Taylor. Like They've been trying to acquire a running back, and if they trusted Moster, Wilson, A-Chain, which is a good trio, if they trusted that, they wouldn't really be entertaining these other running backs. So add that on, and it's just like A-Chain, not really a pick I want to be making right now. Um, but talking about JT, I think they want to get this resolved quickly. Um, I would love it if you guys are listening to this like Nick, they actually did the trade like that would be fantastic because I would love to know before we're in like, you know, the heart of draft season, which we're kind of in right now. But I would say like next weekend is when a ton of people are really drafting. I want to know before the season starts if he's getting traded or not. Um, I honestly don't have an amazing read in the situation. I don't think anyone's giving up a first round pick. So if the Colts are really locked in to a first round pick, I don't think that gets done. I think he stays in the Colts and then he would, I think, eventually play. I don't think that he would hold out for the entire season. Um, but honestly, if he's really unhappy there, I'm hoping that someone's able to, to offer something. And it, his you know exact values obviously can depend on where he ends up going. But the thinking is, if they're asking for a first-round pick, it means they're asking for a lot. And the team that trades for him is also probably going to give an extension. They're not going to offer. Let's say it ends up being like a second and a fifth-round pick, something like that. Um, they're not going to offer that and not extend him. They're not going to do that for a one-season rental at running back. That makes no sense. So whoever signs him is going to give up a lot, going to sign him long-term, and going to use him a lot this season. And so 
I'm still drafting him. He's becoming one of my most drafted players, which is highly concerning because he might not play. Uh, but an underdog, I mean, I've been getting him in like, you know, the late third round. That kind of correlates to a fourth round pick in redraft leagues. I mean, at that point, if you're in the draft, there's risk with a lot of players in that range anyways. Why not go with someone who's incredibly talented, has plenty of upside? So I have still been drafting him, but also understand I'm a risky player. I enjoy taking on the risk of Jonathan Taylor because I know that if it works out, it really benefits me. And so I'm fine with that risk. If you're drafting one team and you don't want to take any risk, don't draft Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Terry McLaurin has turf toe. Uh, like a toe sprain, basically. Uh, they've been calling him day-to-day. If you're day-to-day, you know, I'm recording this on August 25th. Week one is still, you know, over two weeks away for most teams. Like, if he's day-to-day, he's going to be fine. The problem is turf toe can linger. And so we've seen that, you know, in the past, it's been a one-week thing gone away. But we've also seen it to where the entire season, it keeps showing up. You know, players keep being limited in practice, you know, questionable for games because it's just not really something that's going away. Um, Before this, I wasn't in love with Terry McLaurin. I really like drafting Jahan Dotson. Um, Not going to downgrade him really at all. I think it was like two points in the projection. I just bumped him down a little bit. Um, I don't want to downgrade him too much, but it's like if I wasn't drafting him before and it's a slight downgrade, he'd have to fall in ADP for me to really get him a lot. And at cost, I greatly prefer Dotson. I think there's a world where Dotson just straight up outscores him and he's going significantly later. Like if you want to target this wide receiver core, target it with Jahan Dotson later. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're going to get to Sam Howell to kind of close the video. That would be the one thing where it's like, okay, maybe he's got this injury. Maybe Dotson's good. But what if Sam Howell is actually pretty good? Maybe that kind of offsets it. So that's the one out. And again, we'll talk about that to close the video. Uh, JSN suffered a wrist injury that's going to require surgery. It was kind of unclear when that surgery happened. They reported it did happen. Then there was a report it didn't happen. I don't know. Pretty sure he's had it at this point. Uh, but uh, we can listen to Pete Carroll. He's a liar. Remember, Pete Carroll is one of the biggest liars in the world. Um, so take what he says, you know, with like 9 million pounds of salt. But uh, he said, we're going to be optimistic about it. So if, if Pete Carroll, the overly optimistic person, is telling you we're being optimistic about it, maybe bump on like a month to whatever he's saying. Uh, Maybe that's a little bit absurd, but he's basically saying uh, three, four weeks, we'll see what happens. We don't know yet. So if he's being optimistic about that, my thinking is it's probably going to be a little bit longer. Uh, Twitter doctors were running wild with takes. I've seen anywhere from not going to miss a game to returning after their buy in week five, which is the one horrible outcome, right? Like if you draft him where he's going right now and he can't return until probably like, you know, week four-ish, but then they're like, well, we're on buy in week five. Why not just hold him out? He'll come back in week six because they're thinking long-term. That's a really bad outcome. You're spending, you know, a mid-round pick on someone who's just sitting on your bench, not being used. And while you'll get him back and the re-injury rate is not going to be high with this injury, his conditioning is going to be fine. He'll step right in and be fine in week six. That would be a bad outcome. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen, just that it's something that could happen. And so I've moved him down around right now. I'm watching this very closely. Any sort of news is really going to impact things. If that's looking more likely, I'm going to have to drop him down maybe another round, maybe two rounds. We're going to have him out right now. Uh, but he's now behind Dante Johnson, Tyler Lockett, Pittman, and Mike Evans. Again, I still like him. I love the talent. He's the best wide receiver in this draft class, in my opinion. Um, And I still have him ranked where you could end up getting him on a lot of platforms, but understand that if he becomes a top player, know that there is risk there and that he might miss some chunk of time. But as the ADP goes down, remember that it doesn't matter as much. For every round that he decreases, 
well, that's another player you already have on your team. Maybe he's your fourth wide receiver, your fifth wide receiver. At that point, it's like, well, you weren't starting him anyway, so who cares if he's not playing? You'd still prefer, obviously, that he's playing, but the point would be if you get him at a point where like you weren't going to start him until week six anyways, it doesn't impact your team that much. And if you can end up getting him later because of the injury, it could benefit you in the long run. Because remember, we have like a long-term outlook here. We're trying to win a championship, and that's going to come, you know, in weeks 14, 15, 16 of the season, not in the beginning. And so if you weren't going to start him anyways, it doesn't matter as much. But again, you got to move now. Uh, Corey Davis retired. Um, I don't think that matters much. I just figured everyone should kind of know about that. Um, he, I didn't have him for a huge target share, but I had him for a target share. Like he wasn't someone he was kind of outside the top, like 220 players in, um, on like underdog. And so that's translating to, you know, way outside the top 150 in a redraft league. You weren't drafting him in redraft, but what it does to everyone else is it kind of elevates the floor and ceiling of guys like Alan Lazard, like Michael Hardman. Um, obviously Garrett Wilson's still going to be an absolute stud. He's going to be fantastic this season, but I was really off on Lazard. I just, he's just such an uninspiring pick. Like I just wasn't seeing any sort of upside. Now not having Corey Davis, looking at the rest of the wide receiver core and being like, well, okay, I mean, it is Mecole Hardman and Randall Cobb and then like Browley, like it's not very much. And so maybe there is a world now where Lazard is kind of a consistent option where it's like, you're not in love with the start, but if we get to week eight, you know, a bunch of teams are on by, I don't actually know what the big bye week is, but if we get to a week with a bunch of teams on by, you're missing a lot of players, you got injury. There's now a world where like Lazard is someone you could kind of just slot in there and be like, yeah, he's going to be fine. He's not going to give me a zero. Uh, But again, I'm still not in love with the Jets wide receivers, but they all get a bump, obviously, when Corey Davis retires. Uh, Kenny Pickett been balling out in the preseason. Um, Been fantastic. I think they've scored a touchdown on every single one of his drives, something like that. Um, Basically, over the last few weeks, I've started to gain a little bit more confidence in the Steelers offense, just given how they've been producing in camp, how they've played in the preseason. Um, looks like all their skill players are playing really, really well, but that also Pickett is playing really, really well. Um, so I've bumped them up three touchdowns overall over the last two weeks. Um, I'll continue thinking about it. I, I kind of have them in a range now where it seems like, you know, they're not average, but a little bit below average in the touchdown projection. I still think that makes sense. Um, I'm still not convinced that Pickett's going to be an above average NFL quarterback, but before I was thinking there's no way he even really approaches that. Maybe there is a world where he does. And if that happens, look at the skill players on this team. I mean, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren is a phenomenal running back duo. That's a really nice duo. But Deontay Johnson, Pickens, like uh, Pat Fryermuth, like this is a really, really good team. They've got a deep play uh, ability with Kelvin Austin. They've got Alan Lazard seeming like having a good camp from the slot. Like, They've got playmakers, and so if Pickett actually took a step forward this season, it is going to be good. And we know the Steelers historically are just a good team, right? They're not going to be, you know, a four or five win team. Like, I think maybe I've been a little bit too low on them. So I've given, again, that touchdown boost is going to boost everyone, right? Not a ton, but if you add three touchdowns, everyone's getting a little bit better in the projections. And so now I'm starting to get a little bit more of Najee, of Deontay, of uh, George Pickens. And you all know I was already getting a ton of Jalen Warren, so I'm just getting even more of him now. Um, there was an athletic report about Kyron Williams having a really good camp. Um, and I've always like, kind of thought about like, like Akers is definitely a high upside play. But you know, I've mentioned many times about how he's not going to be using the receiving game, how it's not going to be a good offense. Um, it's just not a team that's going to win a ton of games. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of second halves where they're down, where they're throwing the ball, and Akers isn't really used that much. 
Um, it was a backfield that didn't score very many fantasy points last season. And so never really been like super in on acres. He's just been someone that's like in that running back dead zone. That's like, you know what? Take a shot. If he hits, it'll really benefit you. But like know that it's the running back dead zone. It's not a range where we're historically getting amazing production from all of these running backs. There's going to be a lot of misses in that range. So the report was basically that like, you know, Kyron's been great. He's going to mix in on early downs. They said depending on like personnel, depending on what the defense shows them, I'm imagining that means uh, if the defense gives them more of a, you know, run heavy look that maybe they throw Kyron out there, that they utilize him in the passing game a little bit more. If they go more towards uh, light boxes, a light front, then now they're bringing Akers in, running the ball, like, you know, kind of like that. Um, but what it means to me is there's a lot of risk with Akers, especially with how bad their defense is, how bad the team probably is going to be, that he's just not out there as much as we were hoping before. Uh, so I've dropped him about a round. Um, you know, he was in that general range of like Sanders, Madison, uh, James Cook, Rashad White. He's beyond them now for me. I think he's right next to like Jonathan Williams, James Conner, Alvin Kamara. But realistically, I, you know, I mentioned those three names. I'm probably more inclined to pick them than I am Akers. I just... I don't see a massive ceiling unless he gets like, lucky with touchdowns, and that's never something I want to rely on. I don't want to rely on him getting lucky. I want to say, okay, if your average outcome happens, I think you outperform your ADP. And I just don't know that's the case right now, so uh, I'm probably not taking any more of him on underdog, and I don't plan on taking him in any of my redraft leagues. Uh, Jerry Judy, really unfortunate. I mean, Denver cannot catch a break. Like The last, honestly, what, three, four years we enter the season and we're like, look at all these wide receivers. I wonder if they'll get rid of one. And then you're like, well, they probably won't because someone's going to get hurt. And then every single year they get these injuries. And so we have Tim Patrick now done for the season. And now I've got Jerry Judy suffering what looks like a major hamstring injury. It's not one that's going to like end his season, right? He didn't just like tear his hamstring in half, but it's it's a bad one, right? And so the timeline's a little bit fuzzy right now. We also know hamstring injuries, not good. Like he can recover fully from this, totally fine, but... What happens a lot, especially for wide receivers, is they get pretty much all recovered, think they're good to go, they open it up, and boom, setback. Huge setback risk with these hamstring injuries, and this is also a player that's been injured like every single season. Judy's struggled, struggled to stay healthy a lot, and so they're going to be thin to start the year. Um, I've obviously dropped Jerry Judy. Um, I kind of want to see how ADP reacts, but given the drafts I've been in since the injury, ADP is reacting heavily um i i was in a draft like right after it kind of happened and he was instantly falling well over around and so i don't know where his adp is going to end up and on underdog i think his adp was around 38 and i remember i had a pick at like 55 and i didn't take him and like he kept falling beyond that so i'm going to kind of watch drafts see where he ends up going but he's not someone that i want to be targeting right now because it's, it's just risky it's risky taking him because you don't know if he's going to suffer another injury you don't know how long he's going to be out for and so you, you got to take him kind of when you're you're taking your bench almost which which sounds horrible but at this point like i don't want to draft him be a starter because he's not going to be a starter probably to start the season but hopefully we get more news and i can adjust a little bit easier there um obviously great news if you've been using the rankings you have just a ton of Marvin Mims. He's my most rostered player by like 5%. Um, we've been drafting him since he was going around 17, 18. At this point, I mean, he's probably worth taking in round what? 10 through 12 in that like general range. I mean, if he's going to start the season as wide receiver two, like that's going to have a lot of upside, especially if he's a deep threat. Um, he's going to play in this next preseason game. So we'll watch him there. Hopefully he can stay healthy and we won't get another injury. Um, yeah, I think it's that round like 10, 12 range for Mims. And then, Sutton's a great pick now. He should probably be going in that round like 7-8 range because he's you know, now clearly their top wide receiver, going to need to have a high target share. And so definitely draft both Sutton and Mims if they become values and drafts. And honestly, if they even approach their ADPs, I'd probably be grabbing them. 
Uh, Jane Reed and Luke Musgrave having phenomenal camps. It's just like every single day they tweet out and they're just like, yep, beat reporters are like, Musgrave's awesome. He's going to be the one. He's good in the receiving game. Oh, and Jaden Reed was fantastic. Like every single day. Start Starting to get a little bit concerned about like Romeo Dobbs. I think Christian Watson still, you know, they're locked in one. Big playability. Want him on my team, right? Uh, not going out of my way to get him, but I want him on my team if he's at or behind ADP. Uh, I've been drafting less Dobbs because I'm like, well, Dobbs' his whole thing was he's the locked in two. And if Jordan Love is good, then he's going to be good. But if, if Musgrave's actually commanding targets, if Jane Reed is as well, if they're obviously going to use running backs a lot, now I'm like, okay, well, maybe Dobbs doesn't have the target share that I was thinking before. So getting a little bit hesitant on him, uh, but obviously, you know, Reed, Musgrave, still really good sleepers. Uh, James Cook, monster usage. Uh, and actually, same thing with Damian Pierce we'll talk about in a second, but preseason usage for James Cook and Damian Pierce has been awesome in week two um we've been hearing that james cook is a clear starter all season he gets 86 percent of the snaps of the starters 75 percent of the carries 70 percent route participation he maintains that all season which he won't um but if he maintains that all year he's a top five running back and so like think about that in your mind like if his preseason usage holds he's a top five running back and you're getting him i mean i don't know what is like a running back three right now like he's going not late in drafts but late enough to where you probably shouldn't have clear top five upside if nothing goes wrong, right? So he's one of the best draft picks you can make. Uh, and same with Damian Pierce. He's the clear starter. He's getting third down usage. He's like one of the best players in the team. They keep reporting like they're going to use him heavily. Draft Damian Pierce, please. Draft James Cook, please. Um, another report uh, is from me, uh, basically, and that uh, I think I might make Darren Waller the tight end three. I haven't done it yet, and I don't know if I'm going to, but I want everyone's opinion. So please tell me in the comment section. You're on the clock. Um, let's just say it's a little bit past the ADP of TJ Hawkinson. Waller's ADP is skyrocketing everywhere, so they're kind of converging a little bit. Uh, who do you take? Like, if, if you're actually making that pick, not saying at ADP, because that cost right now is obviously Waller, but as they converge in ADP, who are you taking? Waller or TJ Hawkinson? Like, my thought process is basically that, like, I'm pretty confident. Like, I would say there's, like, a 70-80% chance, probably without an injury, a 90% chance, I would say, that Waller's the most targeted player on the, uh, on the on the Giants. If he gets hurt, obviously, that won't happen. But we're saying no injury, 90% chance he's the top target. What's the chance of Hawkinson's the top target with no injury on the Vikings? Like, 1%? Like, it's just not going to happen. Obviously, Jefferson's going to command a huge target share. Addison's going to command a target share. There's a world where Osborne has more targets. It probably won't happen. But I think the point is that like Hawkinson's definitely third. And so Waller's first. And I know it's a better spot for the Vikings, but look at everything they've said for Waller in the preseason in camp. It's just like they have to take him off the field sometimes because they're like, Daniel Jones, please throw to someone else. You keep throwing the ball to Darren Waller every single play. I mean, I don't know. I think he's got to be the tight end three at this point. So I'll think about it more, but I might move him up to there. Last one, uh, Sam Howell, kind of alluded to it before. He's looked great in the preseason. Um, he's got some mobility, which is nice in fantasy. I don't think I'm going to be drafting him in like a redraft league. You're in a 10-12 team league. I mean, if you really believed in him, take him as like the quarterback two, or if you were in love with all these skill players and stuff and you just like kept taking them and kept avoiding quarterbacks, sure. Um, but like if he actually is as good as he's been playing the preseason and he's got mobility, uh, he's got Dotson, he's got McLaurin, he's got a pretty decent cast of running backs. Like, there's upside here. And so, a little bit starting to get excited about that. Um, but again, 
I would mostly target it on underdog. Let's say you took McLaurin or Dotson or both of them. I would target Sam Howell late in drafts and redraft league again. The odds that he's competing with the teams that have Mahomes, Hurts, Lamar, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. Like, there are so many phenomenal quarterbacks that if you're rolling out there with Sam Howell, you got to understand you're getting beat by like 10 points every week at quarterback, and that's going to hurt. So, again, probably don't want to start him, but in a deeper league on underdog like Sam Howell. So uh, that's the latest news. If you want to follow me on Twitter at NickSilekFFA, um, I'll be tweeting out or retweeting basically all the news that happens after that. So I'm recording this, you know, the day before upload, obviously. Um, if anything happens on Friday, happens on Saturday, Sunday, like before your draft, if you're following me on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, um, you'll have that news. And then you can join the Discord as well. It's free in the description box down below. And if you want my rankings for free, my redraft rankings, you want to see my top 60 must draft players you can get all that for free just sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code ffa make a minimum ten dollar deposit that's it double your deposit you'll get access the following morning so don't do that at like one and expect it at two for your draft the following morning you'll get login information for my website uh, and you'll have access to all that information again for free so that'll do it for this one hope you all did enjoy if you did how about hitting the like button and how to subscribe to the channel if you're new here thanks for watching